Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy from Guy Shop, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, JJ Nathan. Hello. Hello. And we do depend on your questions for this podcast, so if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page, and send it to us. We also have a Patreon. We have only one level now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to patreon.com slash perfect first layer. So, JJ, what do you got going on in the uh, lab right now? Yeah, uh, just a bunch of printing, testing out some new printers. I got the new Chidi Tech Max 3 or something. It's a big, fully enclosed printer. I'm testing out. A lot of high temperature filaments, um, so that's been fun. Um, and then testing out a bunch of metal filaments from Protopasta. Yeah, I saw guys, that. I saw up at Murph, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to make some great shorts." So I ordered a few sampled spools. Is it is it expensive? It's expensive to get a full kilogram of it. Um, it's like I think fifty bucks for a half kilogram or something. That is pricey. So yeah, it's quite expensive. But they you can get a hundred grams for ten bucks. So I just got a bunch of hundred gram spools. And Does it print pretty easy or it's same as PLA. I'm using the same PLA profiles okay. on the bamboo printer because that one has a hardened steel nozzle. And right. it polishes up great. It's been a lot of fun to just experiment with new materials and stuff. Yeah, that's that's cool. So you said before high temperature filaments what, what what exactly do you mean by that i i yeah they're I all think, high temperature i think aren't they uh things like abs and asa where it needs a heated chamber or a it um needs an enclosure to it this one's right. got a heater inside of the chamber um which makes it really easy when you can just say okay set the chamber to 45 celsius and it will heat it up to that temperature quick way quicker because there's a dedicated heater um what, for what some, temperature should it be like ABS? What's it supposed to be heated I, at? It says 45 for the chamber temperature really? and then the bed for 100. And okay. that's what I've been doing. And it's been working great uh, mm-hmm. across the full 300 by 300 bed. Oh, it's big. It's a big printer. That makes it the max. Yeah. <laughs> it came in <laughs> the door. The box barely fit through the door. It's really? like an 80 pound box. It is yeah. You said that you said that thing is like twelve or thirteen hundred dollars, right? now? Yeah, somewhere around that. I think MSRP is fourteen hundred, but it's already on sale, so you never know what MSRP really is for some of these printers. Yeah, didn't didn't you get something like that, Nathan? Yeah, I had a Chidi Tech X Max three. No, 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 not the X Max three. I think it was the the older version, but I threw it off of a balcony, so I don't know if they're going to send me a new one. Why'd you throw it off the balcony anyways? Well, um, the thing is that those printers are really big and heavy, and I didn't want to pay movers to move it across state lines. That was when you were tossing stuff, all those printers into the big dumpster. Yeah, that one made the biggest boom because it was very heavy. My favorite thing still, I I said it before, was seeing the flying bear flying through the air. (laughs) Yeah. Moving this printer would be very heavy and hard to move across the country right that's that's why you hire movers <laughs> oh, i did i just uh i had like 20 printers and you know i i had to make room for the furniture <laughs> why just buy new right i know guys that move their you know move and they have their full shops like i do and a lot of them just say screw it and they just sell everything before they leave mm. and just rebuy it when they get to their new place Makes I mean, sense. Moving yeah. those big heavy machines, I've done it a couple times here in town, and uh, it's a pain. Yeah, very heavy and expensive thing to move. Yeah, yeah, you know, you got, my table saw weighs like eight hundred pounds. Oof. So, anyway, so what do you got going on, Nathan? Well, I've been uh, trying to stay oh, the- up on all the Bamboo Lab news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I released my P1S video. Uh, um, it's classic. Ahead of embargo, I I didn't uh, follow the rules on that one, but it's just a cardboard (laughs) enclosure for mine. So 
Yeah, it's it's not far. It's before. not. It's not far from what the actual P1S is. I think, right? Yeah, it seems to be like it's going to be a a P1P, except with the parts that they left off of it are now put on it. So, did they say how much it is? I haven't. Um, I'm going to guess because if you add up all the parts that are additional onto it, it's 150 dollars. So I'm guessing that it'll be 150 to 200 more than the P1P's sale price. So I'm going to guess like 800. We'll see seven, what turns seven, out. 750, 800, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's being released tomorrow? Yeah, it'll be released by the time this podcast is out. So. Yeah, we're recording. It's the 11th today or the 12th? 12th today. It's the 12th. It's the 12th, so. Yeah, and then uh, this weekend I'm going to go to Open Sauce, which is like a... A convention in uh, in San Francisco. So, see how that goes. It's put on by YouTubers. Like with William Osman is uh, funding it. I guess I don't know who that is. Oh yeah, he's just like kind of like a science YouTuber that does random uh, crappy experiments, kind of self described crappy experiments. Just like uh, I don't know, throwing scrap metal together and making a video about it and trying to be funny. So. Cool. So it's not, it's just a, a YouTube maker thing. Yeah. So it's going to be on the in the bay, like right on the water. They're renting out a pier, and there's going to be about five thousand people in attendance. So wow, wow, it'll be interesting. Have you been to San Francisco before? I have. I used to live there. So oh my, I gotta so check expensive. up on my favorite restaurants and see how many of them have gone out of business. Yeah, or taken it, over by homeless people. It's just so expensive there. I went like mm. three years ago. And it was just unbelievable. Well, actually, yeah. it was longer than that. It was like five or six years. No, seven years ago, 2016. So I have seven years ago. Wow, fortunately, time, time flies. Yeah, fortunately, yeah. I'll be staying with a friend, so I don't have to pay for the hotel, which is like saving a couple hundred, maybe a thousand bucks. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Ben, if you're listening out there. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I, this last weekend, I finished up um, doing the vision enclosure on my bamboo P1P. Ah, and that yeah. works really, really well. But even doing all the stuff myself, I, I CNC'd the, the acrylic panels. I bought acrylic panels and CNC'd it. And I, all the stuff... It still cost me like $70, $75 to do it. Hmm. All yeah. said and done. So, you know, they, they lowered the price of it to, to compete with the, the, the Crowley K1, which is now five $5.29 with some discounts. I've seen a couple places. But... Um, it's still the bamboo is still a hundred dollars more, even though when they raised or lowered the price to get all the stuff on it that you know, especially like the enclosure, it still adds almost a hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. If you go the official route, it's gonna be like a hundred fifty to two hundred dollars to get that enclosure, which seems yeah. crazy. It's like or just you can like just go the, 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 the cardboard box route. Yeah, well that's I said, an option. Yeah, the the acrylic, I got two pieces for like, I think it was like $35 was enough to do the, the three sides. And then I did buy the, the, the real bamboo lid for it because I, I might get an AMS someday and I wanted to make sure I had the glass lid. So that was like mm. 25 bucks. Anyways, and then you have to buy the the... the, the the cable chain and you have to buy a special wire and blah, yeah. blah, blah. So I, like, I just went through all of that. So it's like $12 for the new wire. And then you have to take things apart and install the new wire. Yeah, then I you haven't done that yet. Tw- and another $12 for the cable chain and then $30 for the glass top. Why yeah. does it need a new wire? So apparently the old wire that they put on there is like really thin. And if you put it inside of a cable chain, it'll kind of wear through it. Oh yeah. Yeah, and once it, 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 the way those things work, it's flexing a lot in just one particular spot, and it's mm. cheap. It's cheaper wire, and it's going to break. <laughs> All right, they probably nice. found that out from yeah. 
actual usage. So, but how does it work now with uh, like high temp? Have you done much a- a- ASA or ABS? I've never printed a- ASA. I've, mm, but I've yeah. been printing ABS on that machine for a long time, yeah. and it now that it's fully enclosed and not just a cardboard box. Over, <laughs> yeah, it it gets really hot in there. My my Creality K one, it's got a. a thermistor for the chamber it's getting like 50 to 55 degrees celsius in there yeah wow i don't i don't know why it has to have a you got that cheaty that's got the heater in there that's saying it's you know 40 45 yeah Yeah. i think it's more for the consistency when you can get it up to a temperature and then sort of hold it at that temperature versus the bed will have it slowly heat up throughout the print type thing you're gonna say something nathan well um the K1, I guess, is smaller, which kind of helps. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when you have the chamber fan on and it's blowing air directly on the heated bed, like that's going to be acting like a big space heater almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that uh, Chidi X Max have a, a bed, like a chamber fan? Uh, yes. Like that sideways yeah, a side mounted fan? Yes, it's got yeah. one of those as well. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. So you guys want to get into some questions? I suppose so. Suppose so. All right. So the first one here we have is from John. And he says, I have saved up enough money to buy a $200 3D printer. Can you give me a list of pros and cons of each printer and 3D printing in general? It's pretty general question so two hundred dollars i don't think it really is really going to limit you quite a bit um what do you what do you think nathan well there's the old ender threes but those are getting a little long in the tooth at this point yeah um i have a neptune 4 in for review i haven't opened the box yet but i've heard good things about it so far and uh, I guess it's like 260, so it's a little bit out, outside of your budget. Um, but that seems like a nice machine. I mean, the your friend when it comes to buying a printer is always going to be time. Like if you can wait a little bit longer, there's always going to be more printers coming out that are cutting the cost down even further. Um, if you have a hard limit of 200, I would say. Uh, I mean, a lot of the Ender threes. The Ender 2 Pro, um, those are all within that price range. Um, yeah, but doesn't sound like, like those King Runes. Aren't those around $200? Yeah, they've got some that are under 200 Yeah. Those, they don't, uh, the ones under 200 I don't think have auto bed leveling, um, which is a bit of a disappointment for a new person. Um, yeah. That makes it a lot easier for a beginner, especially. But they do make some great printers at that price point, but you just have to have manual bed leveling. Yeah, yeah. There are some printers like at the just over $100 price point, and those ones, from what I've seen, there's not a whole lot of good options, like the Easy 3D K1 or something, and, <laughs> or X1. And they're just like, they're basically toys. Um, so just look for something that's kind of like a, a serious type printer. Um, look up some reviews. I guess there's one uh, that comes to mind, the Soval SV06. I'm going to yeah, check the price on that around one. That price. Another yeah. big thing around that price is sales. Um, a lot of companies are really competing around there. So if you can wait for uh, Amazon Prime Day or uh, you know this or that, they're constantly going on sale and competing around that price point. Yeah. $200 is fairly low. I mean, there's so many printers out there that are a little bit more than $200, I think anyways, that are like in the 230 to 250 range. Mm-hmm. And they've got direct drive and automatic bed leveling and dual Z screws and all the stuff now. That's fairly, and they're fairly inexpensive. Um, right. You can get a pretty nice bed slinger for that price. So yeah. you know, the one with the moving uh, print bed. It, it's going to be hard to find a core XY printer or an enclosed printer in that price range. But sure. um, yeah, you can get a really feature packed printer for that 
there's uh, always just a little a, bit more. There's always the used market too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like on Facebook uh, markets or Craigslist, there's always some of that stuff. I've, I've looked on Craigslist and people there are very unrealistic on the price. I've right. seen people <laughs> asking for, you know, Ender 3 for 289 It's like, what? Are you, yeah. Are you serious? Or it's like, oh, that's what you bought it for like three years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's a um, little, little weird. But looking right now, I uh, pulled up on Amazon. Uh, the Soval SVO6 is like 206 right now. Oh, that's a good price. Elegoo Neptune 3 Pro is 206 as well. Um, I think those will be both great direct drive, auto bed leveling type printers. Yeah, that's that's, that's true. The, the Elegoo Neptune 4 came out, so I'm sure they're going to be clearing out their mm-hmm. Neptune 3s Yeah, for a good price. Which I've had good experience with experience with my Elegoo printer. Um, had yeah, good that, time with it. It's that big Ma- Elegoo big 3 Max, Super Pro, Max, whatever it is. Whatever, yeah, it's like big f- and slow, but prints well. So hard to compete. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never had an Elegoo printer, so I, I I can't say one way or the other. But all right. Yeah, I hope I hope that gives you a, a starting point, John. So this next question comes from Aaron, and it says, "Hey guys, I'm working on starting a 3D printing business. I only have one 3D printer right now, an Ender 3 V2. This was my first 3D printer, and I've learned a lot in the past two years with this. And I want something different, but I don't know what is the best second printer." I hate watching videos and people, I hate watching videos that people don't really care about how their print quality looks. So it makes it hard to choose my next printer when there are only a few people like us three here (laughs) on YouTube who care about the quality of the prints. I'm looking for something with great print quality. What do you, JJ and Nathan recommend? P.S. Love the show. You guys are doing a great job. So what do you think, Nathan? Well, thanks for uh, mentioning me and JJ. I'm sure Guy doesn't feel at all left out right now because <laughs> he doesn't care about print quality. No, no. Actually, um, he, he sent this this email to, directly to my email. So oh, okay. he was asking me, he was like, what do you guys, what do you, JJ and Nathan? Ah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. All right. All right. Well, in that case... Uh, <laughs> It's not going to change my answer. Um, Let's see. So if you just want print quality, I found that printers these days don't really have any better of a print quality than printers in the old days. Like at least when the Ender, uh, when the Ender 3 V2 came out, that kind of represented like peak print quality for a low price. It's not super fast, but in terms of how the layer lines stack up and how good your part looks in the end, Mm-hmm. I found that the my old prints that I was getting off of my Ender 3 V2 were like very high quality, even compared to what you see nowadays. Um, and I think the uh, the Bamboo Lab printers come out with some really nice print quality, and they're printing at high speeds. But um, pretty much any printer that's going to be in that Ender 3 style, as long as you slow it down to... 40 to 80 millimeters per second is going to produce really similar print quality and just get you really good looking prints. But in the, in the context of the question that he's going to start a 3d printing business, let's say a print farm. I mean, if I was starting a print farm, I don't think I would want, you know, two or $300 printers. I'd want something probably a little bit better. I, I understand what you're saying, the quality, and I probably agree with that, that most of those printers in the two to $400 price range, the print quality is very similar, if not the same, in most of them. But is there any printers that you guys think that would be better to start with for a print farm? I think... I, or I don't know all that much about 3D print farms, but if I was doing a print farm, I would want fast printers, seems like. Because seems mm-hmm. like time is money, and you just want good quality out of those printers. So something like the Bamboo, the P1P, or the K1, 
seems like that would be a great way to make a lot of fast prints that come out at pretty good quality. Yeah. And the K1 uh, slicer, it appears that it has the ability to do multiple printers in the same shot. So it's like, this looks like it was designed to do a print farm on. Yeah. And that would allow uh, the K1 be having an enclosure could do different filaments like yeah. ABS and such. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that, Nathan? Well, um, personally, I haven't been having the best luck with my K1. I had to change the extruder out. So, um, and also my, my P1P had, has had networking issues lately. So I'm just like, man, these flagship printers aren't really offering flagship reliability. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's tough picking out a, a printer that you need to be reliable that you have to mm-hmm. like count on for your business. Um, from people that I've talked to, I know a lot of people use Prusa printers for their print farms. Um, I'm just trying to think. It's like, for me, if I was trying to do something, like start a business and, and print a lot of stuff, I would want to have like multiple printers so that I have backups in case one breaks down, then I can keep production going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, having a compromise between printers that are fast and cheap and reliable, it's hard to pick one. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, myself, I'd probably go the Prusa route, mainly because mm-hmm. they are reliable as heck. They do print well, and they're everything on them is open source, so you can get the, any replacement parts really super quick, and you can print new parts for it pretty quick because they have you know there's there's STLs for all their stuff. And I don't know if I'd get the Prusa. I mean, I, I, I know I've told you guys many times about my, my Prusa clone. It's like 350 bucks. You can go that route, get a, you know, spend $700 and have two Prusas or close to what a Prusa is anyway. Yeah, it's, for it's sure. Pretty much the same thing. Um, and it works, you know, the exact same way it uses Prusa software in it works really well but if anything breaks on it there's nothing really proprietary on it nothing right you can just get linear rods from a host of different manufacturers so it'll minimize your downtime i talked to a lot of people at murph that were using prusa minis as their main print farm Mm -hmm. machine which i thought was really interesting yeah yeah, well, I think a, a lot of prints that those are like one eighty by one eighty. I think. I think so. Yeah. 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 A, a lot of your prints are. I mean, I use my my Voron zero point two quite a bit. That's one twenty by one twenty, and a lot of what I print fits on that thing. I just turn around, it's right there, boom, and it spits stuff out really super fast. So, right. Nice. And uh, when I've I've talked to some print farm operators, and it's often like when you're printing, it's better to just print parts one at a time instead of printing out a tray of like five different pieces, mm-hmm. because if one of those pieces breaks, then you have to start the whole plate over again. Yeah, and it increases the amount of time that you need to finish uh, the job. So having multiple smaller printers ends up working out well for them. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Yeah, that, that, that makes a hell of a lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there are advanced things. Uh, I've seen in Clipper, there's now uh, objects. Exclude objects. Exclude objects, oh, really? so you can do that. I've it's never been set it up. for a while. Because I, I never really print a bunch of parts at one time, so I've never actually set it up, but it's there. But if you were running a print form and had several printers, that would probably take a lot of, you know, you see one thing messing up, then go to your pull up the web page and do all I, that. Like, I actually had that set up on my Ender 3 V2 when I was printing out the parts for my Prusa clone because I was trying to get as much on a single plate as possible. And there was times I look over at one of the parts had, you know, fell off or <laughs> it was just yeah. turned into spaghetti monster. So the exclude object is really nice for that. But if you're not there to monitor it. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be sitting right there next to it. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I if if it were me, I I really think I'd go the Prusa route. 
and the, mm-hmm. the Prusa Mark III kits, I think, are five 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 ninety nine now for the Mark III kits. I'll do a. I can yes, hear sure. I can hear keyboards clicking. <laughs> it says uh, six fifty. Six fifty. Oh, and nice. you know three hundred and fifty dollars shipping. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, and maybe like a fifty dollar import fee. I think if it's under eight hundred dollars, there's no import tariff or whatever. So, um, how I much think, does it say shipping is? Well, last time I tried to check on uh, the Prusa website, I clicked buy just to like see, and then they sent me a bill, and I'm like, what the heck is this? So, uh, I'm not gonna. Well, here they've got on, out, they on, sent on, you a bill. Yeah, it emailed me. It's like, hey, you were buying this, right? Uh, it got me really confused. Oh, that's one of those empty cart bots. Yeah. Or a full cart bot. You know, you, you put stuff in a shopping cart and it collects a cookie and it knows who the hell you are. So, yeah. Nice. Privacy. Privacy, privacy, privacy. Which is something I think we're going to talk about, too. You want to talk yeah. about the privacy thing? Nathan? Well, I've I've made a couple videos about it, and uh, just like you know how how three D print manufacturers are increasingly going into cloud platforms, like you have Creality and Bamboo Lab, kind of offering these cloud printing services. So you can start a print from anywhere in the world. <laughs> That's what they advertise, and it's like I don't know why I'd want to do that. Uh, <laughs> usually, I want to be within like. Uh, at least a one minute radius of my printer when I start up a job so I can check on it real quick. Yeah. Um, or be at least in the same, you know, same area. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, there's a big difference between how I've used 3D printers as an engineer for the last, you know, however many years I've been working and how people use 3D printers in general on in the online space. And uh Kind of the difference is when you're in engineering, you're you're using 3D printing to prototype stuff. So prototype uh, CAD data is very valuable, and you try to keep that very private and secret. Um, so when I was in that those kind of environments, any mention of like, oh, let's just upload it to the cloud or put it on a <laughs> server somewhere, it it like immediately gets shut down, and it's it's kind of like, no, you shall not do that. <laughs> IT comes down hard on you. Well, I mean, um, if, it's, if it's if it's your own cloud, that's one thing. Your own your own cloud server, but not for something like a three D printer, right? Right, like someone else's cloud. They yeah. they don't like that, especially yeah. if it's like going to another country. Mm-hmm. So, we talked a little bit about this before we we fired up the recording of this, and I, I said I I still don't care, but mainly because <laughs> I. I I don't have anything like that. I mean, if you want to see what little tchotchkes I'm printing out, okay, I don't care. You know, people get all upset that their their iPhones and their Google phones listen to what they're saying. I don't care. I'm not, I'm not really saying anything weird. Or, I, that I I just don't. I guess if you have to be worried about it, that's one thing. But if you don't have to be worried about it. I got so many other things to, to to worry about in my life other than, you know, Apple listening to my phone conversations. Who cares? Go ahead. I feel like if you want to be bored, go ahead. With the, uh, yeah, all my 3D prints are probably coming off printables.com. Yeah. And if I designed it, it's going back on printables.com. <laughs> and yeah. so for yeah, personal use, yeah. For like personal use or work on open source projects, there's like no problem at all. I don't mm-hmm. really yeah. Uh, yeah. see an issue with it. But it's just like if you are doing any kind of contract work for someone where you're trying to keep things private, then you have to have at least some control of where the, the data is going. The other I'm side just, of it is the yeah. what other data are they getting from you or selling to other places mm-hmm. and sort of locking you into, oh, you need to use our app to get some extra functionality is kind of a seems weird of like, why do you need to be on my phone? Like, why can't you just stay on the computer slicer? Why can't the slicer have all the features there? 
Yeah. Why do you why do you want this extra thing tied into your system? Yeah, we talked about that with the, the bamboo. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Nathan. Well, I feel like um, I like opting into things. I don't like the default setting being share everything. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I'd totally be all right with it if Bamboo Lab was like just you buy your printer and it's an offline device, and then you opt into having all the cloud functionalities like you accept and, and take on that um, whatever terms they they want you to take on to get those functionality but according to their terms of service just to use their printers you're agreeing to the privacy statement like you have to use the you have to agree to the privacy statement to use the printer at all which i think is like uh it's kind of i don't know uh, it, it seems a little predatory to me honestly yeah um, but for the most part unless you're watching a nathan builds robot video Nobody reads the EULA or the privacy statement <laughs> yeah. and user yeah. license agreement. Nobody reads it. Right. I I read it out of a morbid curiosity. <laughs> I'm like, all right, so what's actually happening with this CAD data? Am I assuming that it's it's there's shady stuff going on, but it's all fine? But you know, if you actually read it, there's they're collecting a lot of data. They're collecting your 3D model data. They say they won't redistribute it, but they also say if they're required by law to, you know, turn over your data, they don't need to ask you for permission. So it's like, man, there's a lot of loopholes in there. But yeah. uh, the one thing I didn't like about the, I mentioned last week or last episode that my, I was, I couldn't bind my printer to my phone anymore. So I was using the LAN only. So it wasn't a, there was no privacy issues there. However, there was functionality that didn't work, which is updating your printer. Yeah, it just, right. you can't update it. You couldn't update anything on it unless you were bound to their, you know, their, the bamboo cloud, which I think kind of sucks. I don't yeah, agree with that. The whole like leaving you out of new features just because you're not, tied to their system yeah. it's kind of weird i think they're working on uh being able to flash the firmware over like usb or through the flash card like everybody else all the other printer manufacturers have it um it's just like a really weird feature to leave out of a printer because it seems like when you're developing those boards in-house you'd probably flash the, the firmware on there with a hardwired connection or an sd card or something yeah. so it's kind of strange to ship printers that have to be connected to the cloud to get the updates. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's sense. like, I, I don't know if it's like intentional. I, I guess one advantage of it is let's say Bamboo Lab is distributing those printers to other companies to then sell to other people. If you can't flash it in with the hardware, like when you have possession of it uh, and just put whatever you want on there, that might actually be a little bit more secure than forcing you to connect to a verified server and then get the updates that way. So I don't know. These are all network security, cybersecurity problems and uh, yeah. not my area of expertise. All I know is cloud bad. <laughs> yeah, I still don't understand. I, I understand all that, but you know, I, I still don't understand why you have to be on their cloud to get uh, updates. That doesn't, that just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Anyways, anyways. All right. So I got another question. You guys ready? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, got, we got in the weeds a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> this is from Jason. He says, hi, everyone from Aussie land. I assume that's Australia or is that Birmingham, England, where Ozzy Osbourne is from? Anyways. I have a Corality CR-10S Pro V2, and it hasn't been too bad for a first printer. Mind you, it's Corality. <laughs> has, <laughs> has any of you used this particular machine? There aren't many reviews on it. And the other thing is, how do you know when to change the heater? This is basically the bulk of this question here. And the other thing is, how do you know when to change the heater cartridge outside of just not working? Because machine seems to be sensitive to the part parts fan blowing on it and it's still a stock machine thank you for the great podcast been learning plenty off of it jason 
So what what do you think, JJ? Yeah, uh, the heater cartridge seems like it shouldn't need to be replaced until it stops heating the hot end. Um, <laughs> that's been my general go-to rule on uh, heater yeah, cartridge changing. It, works, it, it does one of two things. It works or it doesn't work. Yeah. If you're changing yeah. out the whole hot end assembly, that's a time when I've changed them out before. Um, upgraded them or this or that. Yeah. But in general, it keeps working. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, I've replaced been... entire hot ends, but the 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 heater cartridge is still the same one. Yeah, came with the printer in most cases. Yeah, the uh, I guess one thing you could check if you really wanted to go and diagnose it, um, if you take the heater cartridge off, you can measure the resistance and see if that has changed from its nominal value. Um, it's it's like a slight possibility that something might have gotten messed up there and now the the resistance went up and it becomes a weaker heater but it seems unlikely to me Um, Uh, i would think the only reason to really change your heater cartridge other than it's not working is that sometimes you can get higher wattage ones which will heat up faster than uh, Mm -hmm. the the one that came with it especially on a creality but you can also go with those ceramic heater cartridges too and that might be a good read. Just if you're if you're in a real hurry for your, your hot end to heat up. It's it's amazing how fast those things heat up. Yeah, they're crazy. The other thing is if you have um, the the silicone sock taken off of the hot end, that can sometimes cause the part cooling fan to cool the hot block down. Um, so like that, mm. just that little silicone sock. I thought the silicone sock was to help prevent plastic from sticking to the head. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, It it also acts like a little bit of insulation. It acts as like a sock. Mm. Yeah, keeps (laughs) your toes warm. (laughs) What do you guys think of those ceramic heater cartridges? I know JJ's a fan. They're amazing. They're so great. I think... That's one of the biggest technology changes on 3D printers in a while. Yeah, except your first one you had issues with, right? Yeah, the first one was horrible. and uh... It was like you uh, you, you got Caught. a 12-volt, right? Yeah, or it was it's a 24-volt one, but it came with a little uh, boost converter, and it just caught fire. <laughs> it was pretty I was hot. Like, oh, that's fire in my hands right now. That's not good. <laughs> So that was a very negative video I made. I thought uh, about replacing, you know, a couple of them here and there on my printers to to, to that. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, it, it's okay. So instead of taking a minute and a half to heat up, it'll do it in 45 seconds. Woohoo! Yeah, it's a minute per print. It's not, yeah, it's not I, something to fiddle with. I, I am getting older and time is precious to me. But, you know, I'm really not that much worried about yeah saving an extra minute or so yeah especially when you're still waiting for the heated bed to warm up for yeah for two to five minutes it takes yeah um one thing about the ceramic heaters is they're a little bit safer like if you uh end up with a situation Mm -hmm. where the power is stuck on 100 percent, it'll kind of lower its wattage automatically um just Mm -hmm. through the magic of the resistance changing um versus the uh cartridge the metal cartridge style heaters, those can get hot enough to like melt the whole hot end. I've seen pictures of that yeah. where it actually uh, liquefies the aluminum and it falls out. <laughs> Aren't yeah. those, I, I, I'm not a electrical expert by any stretch of the imagination, but aren't the, the heater cartridges that come, you know, the little slide in ones, those are just big resistors, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do the ceramic heater cores work the same way are those just pretty much yeah it's a it's a resistor in a circle around okay it's wrapped wrapped around okay all right yeah and they're they're called a ptc heater uh like a positive temperature coefficient so as they get hotter the resistance goes up and that helps limit the uh Mm. the power delivery yeah okay um another thing back to the question was the uh a PID tuning on it. 
Um, not yeah. sure the Marlin implementation on that printer. Um, but running a PID tuning can help. It could be out of tune or something. If you're having issues with like heat fluctuations during printing, running a PID tuning at whatever temperature you're usually printing at. Um, so if you're normally printing 210 or 205 or whatever, run that PID at that temperature can help with fluctuations to keep things a little more stable. Can you explain PID tuning for the <laughs> folks at home that might not know what that means? Yeah, so it's an advanced control system, control thing. Proportional integral derivative tuning <laughs> is what yeah, PID stands for. I'm not impressed you knew what it stands for. I remembered things. From, um, it basically keeps things accurate. Um, so that it's pretty advanced. You can look into it. But... A uh, simple version is it keeps it accurately tuned to that level. Um, so it won't overshoot when it's over, when it's heating up and it won't, won't have huge fluctuations to it. Yeah. Is that a pretty standard thing, even on Marlin? Yeah. They're all configurations. Pretty much all running PID tuning now on the bed and hot end. But I mean, in the, the menus, the software. Yeah. You can there? run a, M three Oh three or something. Oh, okay. Uh, so it, it might be in the little screen on that printer or it might be a Marlin command. You have to send to it. Okay. I haven't done it in Marlin in a while, so I'm not sure. So that may be something you have to Google Jason. Yeah. I would Google that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any, any further words, Nathan? Well, I think it's a simple question with potentially dozens of answers so <laughs> you need help all right. get some help <laughs> all right. we'll try it. all right that's true nathan is it, wants to also talk about today where we all think 3d printing is heading where it's where it's going in the next let's say five years Oh, five years is an awful long time i don't think my crystal ball is big <laughs> enough to see all that but at least, you know, the next six months to a year. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, man, have we jumped to the shark as an industry? Like, have we already made the, the fastest, all these speed printers, you know? Like, what's next for, for 3D printing? Do you know where and the then, jump the shark thing comes from? Yeah. What, what's that? Uh, it's, it's, an old show, happy, right? it's an old Happy Days show happy days, where Fonzie... Yeah jumps a, a shark and, and they're in California. Anyways. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like fast core XY machines are kind of like the shark. You know, we jumped the shark. We now have these insanely high speed printers and we're kind of running into the limitations of how fast you can actually extrude plastic. And it's like, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> like, I, I, th I think, I think a, a lot of the stuff that's coming, that's going to be coming out, relatively quickly and we've seen some of it already uh like the any cubic i don't know the model number but any cubic came out with a, a machine that was under 300 dollars that had steel rails with steel roller wheels on it like the elegoo neptune 4 yeah there's has the clipper you know, it's 250 millimeters per second. It's a really, a really super fast bed slinger for around 250 bucks. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that a lot more manufacturers are going to start doing that. You're going to see a lot of printers in the 250, give or take $20 price range that are going to really start to promote the speed of their printer. Yeah. Uh, but they've, they've made all these bed slingers. I mean, so there's the, your core XY machines that are very fast, enclosed, high speed. Um, They're also cost expensive. Six hundred mm -hmm. to yeah. you know twelve hundred dollars. Then you've got your bed slinger class of printers that are like, you know, two hundred to four hundred dollars. Let's say two to five hundred, and they're getting extremely fast now. But now they're they're almost they've almost reached parity where they can all print two hundred fifty millimeters a second. And it used to be like every year we'd have like a gradual increase in speed with new innovations that come out. But now it's just like, okay, we can't push plastic through the, the hot end any faster. Yeah. So there's going to, there, it, we're going to hit a Delta 
as far as how fast they can go. But then again, you see these guys like that 24-7 printing on YouTube that's, you know, it's just yeah. pretty outrageous. It's finding ways to always make things faster, yeah. That's not really printing, though. No, it's just something it's technology. If it can go there, and then the next thing is he makes it print at that. You know, moving there is one thing, and then printing there is... But he does too. print there, but they're just like blobs. Yeah. Right. It's a benchy shaped blob. <laughs> that's not where real printing is going. Like that's no, I agree. it might be a sneak peek of how fast we can possibly go in the next year or two. But I, I, I think that these, the, the, you look at like, um, the Anycubic and the, uh, Elegoo machines and the kinematics haven't changed on those printers. They yeah. just have more powerful cooling. Yeah, more powerful cooling, and they add input shaper to an input shape with ringing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no reason you couldn't get those same speeds on a Ender three, right? Yeah, yeah. In theory, you can flash clipper on there. It's the same little yeah. wheels rolling on aluminum extrusions that it's been yeah. for the last five years. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So maybe well, that's once, where the hobbyists are going to go is trying to get their old machines running that fast. So once every printer, even the $200 entry-level printers, is printing at P1P speeds, which it seems like we're getting there. If mm-hmm. you look at the Elegoo Neptune 4, the Soval SVO 7, they're just putting input shaper on a bed slinger, and now every printer is insanely fast, even if it's relatively cheap to build. It's like, all right, what's next? It's got a. There's got to be something else to 3D printing, whether that's uh, smarter software, better slicing. Um, but it's like once you have a hardware platform that's plateaued in terms of how much performance it can produce, you don't need to buy a new printer anymore. Maybe that'll be the golden age when uh, people stop buying printers and you just have it. Yeah, you don't have well, to buy a new printer every six months. It's that it's that appliance thing where it's just like a toaster. You have it, and when you need it, it's there. Yeah, I guess it might be a little bit like video game consoles. Like uh, <laughs> it'll be generational leaps instead of it being all these incremental steps. You're saying? Yeah, because yeah. like nowadays we're having a new printer come out like every month. That's like, whoa, we're doing everything faster now it's it's slightly cheaper and all that kind of stuff (laughs) it's that whole race to the bottom thing do you guys think ai with the explosion of that is going to have any effect i did see a few things at murph people using ai to like sort of watch sort of a nozzle camera watching the first layer going down Mm -hmm. and using that to sort of automatically do some tuning to it um for those of you listening at home, JJ used air quotes for AI. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just I use AI. I think AI is one of those overused buzzwords right now in the world that every company will slap that onto anything that a computer did. It's like, oh, yeah. it's auto, it's artificial intelligence. When it's like, well, I mean, that's just a computer doing a thing. <laughs> something I watched at uh, at Murph was. Uh, they have this HueForge software, which lets you basically 3D yeah. print a color picture, but they're feeding it inputs from uh, an AI image generator. Mm. So you're like, I want a stormtrooper walking through a desert valley in a watercolor style. And then they feed that into HueForge, and then you 3D print out a, a really cool looking image. That's that pretty looks cool. like it's cell shaded. Cool. Yeah. So. There's a lot of stuff. I guess like the 3D modeling side of things could have yeah. some yeah. AI stuff. And that's on. what I'll, that's really what I was referring to. I mean, th- would that help with some software? So imagine imagine a world. <laughs> imagine like having software, a slicer, and you could just, you know, it's got artificial intelligence. You type in that I want to print this thing, whatever it is, and it models it, slices it, sends it to your printer, and you really don't have to do anything. I mean, the hardware is still the hardware, but the software that runs it mm-hmm. could be, you know, using AI. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What I do think I the, know? the software side of things is really where things could be changed. Yeah. Um, and just needs to be more. If the companies, instead of pushing a slightly faster printer out, 
would spend that money on, okay, let's actually develop, help Kira develop a new version, work with Prusa Slicer to make a new version and add new features, um, make that side of things easier and better makes printing so much really usable mm -hmm. for the average person. Yeah. Something I want to see come out in the next year is an affordable at home pellet extruder. Because <laughs> right now you have to pay a lot for filament if you're like if you're running a print farm, for example. Yeah. Or if you're like um, JJ printing tons of Pokemons every day. <laughs> They're all small and hollow. I really don't go through much <laughs> filament. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. No, no, no. I get it. it's just a funny thing that I'm I am printing constantly, but it is interesting how little filament I actually How much go how much filament yeah, how much filament do you go through in a week? Maybe one spool? No, Maybe. not e not even a spool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it depends on what I'm doing. Depends on if yeah, if I'm printing one big thing, that could go through 500 grams or so at one time. But most things are under 100, so maybe 700. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to do it for the show. And thanks, guys. That was pretty good. Pretty good conversation there. And remember, we really need some questions and participation from the audience. That's that's you folks out there listening. So make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com or email us at perfectfirstlayer at gmail.com. All right. And on perfectfirstlayer.com, go to Smith page and ask us. So Nathan, why don't you tell everyone where you can be found? I'm Nathan Builds Robots on YouTube. And I just recently started trying Twitter. Um, I'm at Nathan Builds. Um, it's a horribly toxic place, but you know, oh, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's horrible. Uh, who knows how long I'll be on there, but I'm there for now. Yeah. And JJ. And I'm just on YouTube at JJ Shankles. All right. And I can be found at guys shop on YouTube or any, any social media guys would, would shop. You can find me. All right, guys. So we will, uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right. Bye. Bye.